Gonna have a real good time together We're gonna have a real good time together We're gonna laugh each child together Have a real good time together Welcome back to Jokerman Podcast. It's me, Evan. Merry Christmas, folks. Me, Ian. Merry Christmas. Christmas. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it is Christmas. Hope you're having a great Christmas out there, folks. We're dropping this into your stocking here. Yeah. It's, uh, we're dropping what, uh, our favorite Velvet Underground songs. That's right. Something that we have not done yet, shockingly, but I felt like, uh, I think we felt like we're getting, we're getting close to the end here. We can, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and had to, had to put together the canonical Jokerman take on the Velvet Underground discography. How did you, how did you approach you know assembling your catalog of picks here like jazz i just went (laughs) yeah i just did it and i i thought okay 20 ish 25 maybe Mm -hmm. and i kind of had some questions that i didn't ask you about like if the live versions of stuff were you know fair game okay Um, so i that's yeah i i don't know what you did i have live stuff on my on my and I tried to think which which versions of which songs are best heard on the record and which ones are best heard in some of the live official releases. It's all official, you know, release shit. Everything that you right. can stream on Spotify or Apple Music, we're gonna make this simple for folks to listen to. But there's a ton of Velvet's live stuff, you know, throughout the throughout the ages, just as much as there is more probably than there is actual legit studio recordings. So uh, I wanted to pull a little bit from both fields. What'd you do? Yeah, I mean, I have a, a couple live picks that I think uh, were for the same reason, like standouts in in that way. But sure. uh, mostly not. I think I I really wanted just to stay relatively conservative with my picks and just actually list which ones I think are the essential songs. Sure. And it wasn't that hard for me to pick my favorites. Yeah, it was pretty easy for me too. I think, and I say that maybe like uh, betraying the fact that I didn't think hard enough about this. I did try to dig up as much interesting shit as I could on my list, but I mean, there's going to be just like, obvious. Ones. It's it's yeah. like if you're making a best of Bob Dylan 1960s, like you know, like a Rolling Stone is going to be on that list. So fucking, uh, you know, heroin is going to appear on here. I hate to break it to you, folks. Um, the Velvets, you know, you don't have as much unturned, reclaimable shit to to choose from as you do with someone like Bob, or as you do, obviously, with Lou and John's solo careers. This, you know, the Velvets, it's it's canonized, and uh, it's all good music, straight from top to bottom. So we might not be quite as wild and out there as we are in other circumstances, but uh, I think we I think we're gonna do them justice, right? Yeah. 
I mean, right? it'd be hard not to. I, I, I'm curious though what your picks are. So let's get started. Let's get started. It's you know it's Christmas Day. We got presents to open, so we gotta we gotta get rolling. I'm gonna start with the start. Number one, first track on the first record. It's gotta be there. Sunday morning. Yeah, same. I mean, that was also on my list. Come on. I mean, it's Sunday morning. Like it's it's I. So the way the way to 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 pull the curtain back a little bit more and open the kimono. Uh, I uh, I went through all of the <laughs> all of the the records, the catalog, you know, the four records, and tried to figure out like what songs appear on these records that I want to be on this playlist. And then once I figured that out, try to figure out which songs from the actual record version you know, versus the live stuff need to be on this playlist. And Sunday Morning was number one. I mean, it's literally the first thing you read on the first record, obviously. Uh, but there aren't really a lot of live, I think any maybe, live cuts of Sunday Morning from the Velvet's live shit. You know, we talked about this recently on Animal Serenade with Lou. He did that, you know, solo himself many years down the line. And it's included there. But I think on the live records, like it wasn't wasn't something that they were playing habitually uh, as a rock band because by the time they really were playing a lot of live shows, they were a rock band. And Sunday Morning is many things, but it's not really a rock song. Um, not something that Lou and crew maybe would have wanted to focus attention on in a live setting. So it's got to be the record cut. And honestly, even if there were live versions, it would still be the record cut because this is one of the most... It's like fucking a day in life or like a Rolling Stone or something. It's like it is like carved in the Mount Rushmore of rock songs Sunday morning. Yeah, I mean, what I really love about the song is that it does at the very beginning of the entire discography, this thing that makes them so special, which is that the Velvet Underground is not just the most interesting or like fearless or hardest uh, rocking band of their time, but they're also the gentlest and they're in, in a way made a huge statement by doing that, showing that rock music can be this gentle and still be rock music. Um, and I think that that's like the flag planted with Sunday morning being right before I'm waiting for the man. Like there it is like that is a huge leap that is just right there at the beginning that tells Absolutely. you so much about what's great about the band and then all the way up to obviously black angels death song and european sun at the end of this record it's like you know you really get the whole spectrum of the la- of the next 60 fucking years in this 11 12 song run on this one record here you know it's it's all it, it was all there from the beginning from this one band uh you know they're pretty good the velvets what do you got i'm sticking with you oh of course come on come on duh duh <laughs> like it's um one of the loveliest and sweetest uh songs ever and yes. it's it's the other side it's like that third thing the secret third thing of whimsy which i don't think is like a a, a a descriptor that Lou Reed would ever want to be associated with his work, but it is one that, uh, as critics or uh, listeners, it that's it's a word that means what this is. It's a that whimsical is song. Absolutely, what it is. You know, I I think that 
I think what makes I'm sticking with you um, so perfect as a Velvet song is, I mean, obviously, is the fact that Mo sings it because yeah. you, you do get, to use that word again, whimsy, you do get some whimsical kind of writing from Lou later on in his career, you know, throughout uh, his, his solo uh, kind of shit, you know, uh, some of the rock and roll um, heart stuff is, you know, kind of whimsical. Some of the, the like, new sensations, mistrial stuff is a little whimsical. Uh, some of the first, you know, first Lou solo record is even a little whimsical. Even but, on here, I mean, there's whimsical stuff at this early, too, though. Yeah, I mean, Sunday Morning is, is, is could be, you know, seen as whimsical through one lens. But the problem is, or not problem, but the, what, what makes it not whimsical necessarily is the fact that it's Lou Reed, fucking Lou Reed delivering those songs. Uh, he, he's the one that's singing it. Uh, and, you know, if you just you hear Lou's voice and there's, it's such a loaded sound, the same way that Bob's voice is so loaded or the same way that Van's voice is so loaded. Uh, there's so many, you know, emotions and, and feelings, sense memories tied up in that. And, you know, you can't help but, I can't at least help but think of him delivering some of these whimsical lines as like, you know, with a sideways glance, with an eye roll, with a wink and a nod at the camera type of thing. And I'm sticking with you is not it like this is absolutely just looking you in the eye, not blinking, no irony, no eye roll, no nothing. This is just the sweetest, simplest, truest, straightest kind of love song that you can imagine. And it comes from loose pen, but it needs to be delivered by someone else to come through as strong as it does. And to his credit and to Mo's credit both, it, it is. But you also get Lou on there. And you also get him there at the end, but just at the, like, you, you, gotta, you gotta start with Mo. What's your next pick? Sister Ray. Me too, actually. Come on. It's literally <laughs> the third one. On yeah, those are the two, those were the, my first two was Sunday Morning and Sister Ray, and they're both the album versions of both of those songs. Uh, you do have some more live cuts of Sister Ray, a few more live cuts of Sister Ray to pick from here, but uh, even still, I'm just going with the fucking White Light, White Heat version, straight, narrow, you know, studio version of Sister Ray. I was listening to it today, you know, I was listening to all these songs again before we hopped on. It didn't sound as crazy to me as it used to. Do you find that for yourself? You weren't playing it loud enough. I guess I probably wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I just had it going on my AirPods, and I was like walking. The no, dog. you got to be playing it in on a speaker in a house, like loud, and then people will like it. That's that's when it really shines. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, this is this is this is this is not a, 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 a shot at Sister Ray by any means. It was just like I I remember I think when I first heard Sister Ray and when I was first getting into White Light White Heat, just like being fucking like amazed at what I was hearing, just like blown back against the fucking wall of my house. And yeah, I mean, I guess the song obviously you were in still a house. has the capacity to do that, but it, um, yeah, it's it's almost like uh, it 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 almost sounds like easy listening to me at this point. Tough just makes, guy it just makes here. me feel good. It just makes me feel good. I don't know. I, I well, put on Sister Ray and I hear Lou Reed sucking on my ding dong, and it's like, oh, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm having a good time here. The end of it, it is. Uh... It, it it is something that you kind of get into a groove with, even to the the point where it's like the noisiness of it. Like, uh, I mean, what can what can I say about Sister Ray? It's like this is just pure energy. It's it's like the raw material of rock music. It, it, it's uh, I mean, I saw Barton Rev at uh, 
Zebulon the other night in person. I saw Martin Rev of Suicide, and he went for like two hours, maybe longer, 75 years old. It was like the loudest thing ever. Like if you didn't have earplugs, you were actually like in danger. Sick. And um, it was just cacophonous, brutal, unrelenting, punishing noise. And uh, it was like sister ray i mean it it was like he was just a conduit to like some force of energy that is uh out there at all times but like you have to be a certain kind of strong uh a shamanic figure to, to to access it that is the same thing that this is i mean what suicide does at their best what martin rev still does uh is really connected to sister ray in my mind and heart, like the, the organ, like the distortion, all of that. The it's, organ is so wild, man. It's like, you don't think of the organ that much, at least on the first couple, the first couple Velvets records. Like once Doug comes in and they start playing live shows and Doug's on the organ live, that I think really comes through for me here. But like the first couple records that doesn't, it's not a signature kind of component of the sound, but man, listening to it today, it was like that organ is hot fire plasma off the surface of the yeah, sun. Exactly. Plasma. Oh, that's so sick. That's John. Demand. Yeah. John Demand. Kale. That's what's your right. next. What's your next pick? Um, pale blue eyes. No, of course. The, I mean, the, what, I don't need to say anything. The record version. Yeah, the closet yeah. mix. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to too. say anything about pale blue eyes. It's just like a, a, an absolutely gorgeous and elegant uh, song that. Uh, carries the world on its shoulders it's beautiful yes i was trying to you know as we have spoken about previously you know the third velvet's record is my that's the one written in my soul um and pale blue eyes is one of the songs from that record that really do it for me uh, obviously as it is for anyone and i was you know when i went through the list trying to think of you know through, through the list of uh, all the songs on that record i was thinking like I'm going to leave Pale Blue Eyes off my Best of EU playlist for the moment because I I wonder if I'm going to be able to like find an alt take, a demo, or a live version or something that's going to take the cake here. And the answer is no. I mean, just the, the way it sounds on that record uh, is the way that it should sound, the way it should always sound. It is such a perfect, perfectly realized, fully activated version of the song you know listening to like the 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 version that you get on the light in the attic release from last year which is so interesting and so fun to hear right because we're so familiar with this version of pale blue eyes at this point is um is such a i think uh, fun or or uh, interesting way to see just how far lou came as a music maker and as a songwriter in the span of just a couple of years you know a few months really um the transformation that this song takes by the time we get to 1969 here, it's eternal, just as eternal as Sister Ray, as Sunday morning, as I'm sticking with you. Just pretty good. The Velvet Underground. Tambourine. Oh, That's it. So good. Um, all right. I'm going to deliver a couple relatively hot takes, as hot as any Velvet takes can get, because I want to make sure we can get them into our list here before we start filling up with too much tight shit. Um, mm-hmm. Over you. 
You can hear it on the Matrix uh, uh, set from 1969. You can hear it on the uh, you know the Ass Cheeks record too. We talked about yeah. it a little bit. It's just a little two two and a half minute sketch of a song, really. I mean, you know, uh, you, you end up hearing a lot of these germinal Velvet songs reappear later on in Lou's, you know, first, whatever, five records, basically, when he just keeps returning to the well of material he'd written years before. Over You vanishes after this Oh, point. I like this one, too. Okay, it's Over You. Yeah. Come on. Perfect. It's, um, I mean, this is, this is such a beautiful, just uh, essential kind of slice of, yeah. of homesick, lovesick, you know, sweet, uh, doe-eyed, Lou baby kind of shit. Um, Lou, Lou, Lou baby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, this, you know, this, is, uh, this is great. It's beautiful. Uh, Sterling's guitar is just like so it's swooning, effortless. You know, this is a very doo-wop, I think, uh, informed song right here from the very beginning or, you know, relatively beginning for them. Um, it sounds like something that could have been released on a on a fucking seven inch in 1957, um, and it would have been a huge hit for all of the high schoolers necking in their Cadillacs at Makeout Point. Um, but it turns out to be a Velvet Underground song from 1969 in San Francisco. Um, over you, classic. And I'm glad that it only exists live and there is no, you know, weird fucked up version from 1972 with like a bunch of glam rock bullshit on it. It's like they nailed it. Yeah. This is it. I agree. Here I go again. Just gonna play like a fool again. Here I go again. Over you. Over you. Just like a bell again You know I'm starting to ring again Here I go again Over you Over you Right into the sun, 1969 Interesting, alright, that's the first one that we've hit that wasn't on my, uh, wasn't on my list What's, what's about, what is it about riding the sun? It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. It's one of the best uh, rock instrumentals of all time. It's wow. just like the, it's a, you know, there's no vocal on it. It's just, um, it's, it's just a pure distillation of this particular thing that they can do. And I love that there's no vocal on it. I just, it doesn't need one. It's, it just like another pick later on is kind of, there's another one I have that is kind of the opposite side of the same coin. Um, the hard rocking non-vocal pick, but this is the soft rocking non-vocal pick for me. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and, and fill in the blank for that second one because I'm sure that it is uh, the same I one that I have I'm, on my list. Yeah. Yes, I'm falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. Th- these two together represent like the yin and yang of all things good. I mean, in about the Velvet Underground, like... Riding to the sun is so, so beautiful that like the way that the guitar lilts into uh, that melody, and then I guess I'm falling in love is the best Mo Tucker drumming. Uh, it's so heavy, man. This sounds like fucking just like it like, rules, n- like like nuclear bombs falling on your head. That it's 
just yeah. like it's so ha- it's the happiest sound oh i love it yeah the happiest sound like nuclear bombs <laughs> well that, i wouldn't say that it sounds like that i would say that it, this sounds like it sounds like nuclear bombs uh in, in my in of love in my heart <laughs> baby <laughs> And you do hear, I mean, there are other instances of Guess I'm Falling in Love being performed live with actual vocals. Uh, I don't know if any of those are, are released on official, legit releases. Well, there's the live versions the, on um, um, the reunion tour. The reunion, yeah, yeah sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the studio outtake from the White Light, White Heat sessions, uh, you know, it appears on Another View and like the super expanded deluxe, you know, five-star mega dick suck edition of White Light, White Heat, whatever it <laughs> yeah. is. Um, that's the one. I mean, it, 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 and that's what's interesting about this song, I think, is the fact that it it feels more complete and more true to itself without the vocals. And even though the vocals existed, right, and Lou had written lyrics... And that that whole like totally complete song does exist in certain incarnations. Like something about the way that this just trudging uh, charges sledgehammer, you know, the break your fucking uh, uh, teeth type of sound comes across on the studio version without lyrics. That's like that's it, man. This is it. Guess I'm falling in love. Uh, and I just love the way that this song sounds. As an instrumental, and it's titled. Yeah, like, that's it's, all. It's, that's all the words you need. It's just the yeah. like. Just call this song "Guess I'm Falling in Love" and make it sound like this. And there aren't any lyrics. That does a hundred percent of what you needed to right there. Same with "Ride Into the Sun." I mean, all those things are true of the, this as well in terms of it, having it uh, al- alternate versions that do have lyrics and it doesn't need them. "Ride Into the Sun" and "Guess I'm Falling in Love" are like the twin dragons, the twin flames of my heart when it comes to <laughs> instrumental Velvet Underground music. Oh, man. Velvets are good. Uh, I guess it's my turn now again. Um, I mean, wh- what do you want me to say? I guess I, I can put these in... I think I can do a burst of three because, like, Venus and Furs, All Tomorrow's Parties, and I'll Be Your Mirror. What, I, we have to put these on here. It's like, what, what, do you, what do you want me to talk wow. about each one okay. of these? Interesting. I only had one of those on my list. What? Which yeah. one? I, just, I and and it's one that's not even off of the record. I'll be your mirror off of the '93 reunion version. Well, I think that that's also worth having on the list. I think we can have more than one version, um, because in this case, well, you know what? Maybe maybe let's let's be radical. Let's let's just put your version on this playlist because. Because Lou doesn't sing this one. I mean, that's like that. That is so huge to me, and we we've talked about this before, I think. But like, you know, there, this was the runner-up for our theme song selection for this series of Jokerman. Um, you know, kind of modulated, cut-up version of it. But the way that Lou and John have this interplay at this point in 1993, right after 30 years of friction and tension and will they won't they falling madly in love and and betraying each other and telling each other to go fuck themselves and then falling madly in love again and then you know telling each other to fuck each off fuck off again um there's so much loaded into just this one performance here um and i really i mean i fucking love the way that they sound in 1993 i know that it's kind of a it's almost kind of like a normcore take on the Velvet Underground, you know, like a lot of the the rough, sharp edges have been sanded down, 
and it's a it, crowd pleasing might be the wrong word, but it's it's more crowd pleasing than they were in the in the nineteen sixties. Um, but that really does it for me for some reason. I, well, I me too. I, I don't know what to say about that. It's uh, it's just. The 93 and, sound, you've been. The 93 sound, exactly. And I'm sure they would have gotten gotten better and, and like kind of tuned up and been more exciting and interesting had they had the opportunity to continue with the reunion series. But, you know, even the documents that exist of it are so strong just based on the fucking, you know, the actual ingredients, whether or not they were as sharp and tight and, and cohesive as they could have been. It's sounds good to me. I think that it is like it's it's like like japanese cuisine it do, i mean it just doesn't need you don't need to put stuff on your sushi on your on your nigiri you have the rice and then you have the fish the rice has uh vinegar in it the fish is just good there that's all you really need there's like versions of it that have uh mayo and um what are deep fried stuff and that that can be great but like they know what they had the they know that they've got roll. when you've got the best quality uh raw materials like you don't need to um do much more they they knew what their individual worth was in 93 and they do a great job of just presenting it as like what more could you want and the answer is no, nothing. Nothing more. That is uh that is definitely true. Thank you for entertaining the sushi metaphor. I'm always happy to to have a sushi metaphor. I I just had a, I went to a great yakitori place here with my uh my BFFs recently. You got anything weird? You got any weird things? I mean, the thing is like the, the, I didn't even realize this before going to like a place that was like straight devoted to yakitori, but like it's only chicken. Right. And it's All like parts. And it's exactly. It's 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 nose it's nose to tail chicken. It's it's beak to Cartilage, tail feather coxcombs um, do they do that the best thing that i had was a heart like a chicken heart uh, yeah uh that was just like extraordinary um and i typically feed like i i will when i roast chickens at home i'll feed the fucking chicken heart to my dog and she yeah, looks it up hearts are great but uh yeah i mean this was incredible uh the chicken cartilage chicken neck the chicken heart uh and then obviously you got the thighs and the breast and the and they had a little wing a little like just like an absolute like a buffalo wing basically right but without the buffalo extraordinary stuff uh every part of the chicken folks pretty good well, when Good it's bird. treated with with respect, that's uh, right, and and that's that's what the Velvet Underground knew to do. It's to good the chicken of their band. <laughs> it's good poultry. Yeah, um, I'll be your mirror. Ninety three. That's great. Okay, so but then we've got all tomorrow's we, parties. All tomorrow's parties. <clears throat> I mean, uh, I I suppose that we could we could put the ninety three all tomorrow's parties on there, but it doesn't. I mean it. I'm I'm realizing now. I'm looking at my list. I don't think I had a single Nico track on here because we got, well, if in that case, we got to put we got and yes, parties you're right. Yeah, Nico we have to represent her. She, I mean, all tomorrow's parties with Nico is like I think the best representation of you know in a way I think it works the best as like a parallel a, a companion rather to what she would go on to do on her own later on when she started really making her own creative 
decisions and on her own records. Yeah. This feels like it could have been something that she might have uh written. I mean, maybe it's a little uh it it's obviously not her own composition, but there's something of this kind of medieval or like ageless sort of dark fairy tale type quality that it has that I think feels much more related to what she would later evolve creatively into than say like really anything else that Lou wrote around this time. Uh, Maybe European sun or like black angels death song, but yeah, no, this, this sounds way more like what she turns into on desert shore, right? Then I'll be your mirror or, um, Femme Fatale. Yeah, Femme Fatale. Um, Femme Fatale and I'll Be Your Mirror sound much more like Chelsea Girl, which is a great record. Yeah. We love Chelsea Girl, but it, as we discussed on that episode a year ago at this point, uh, was very much not something that Nico herself was in charge of. The way that every other record that she ended up putting out, she was, right? She kind of jettisons all of these alternate songwriters, uh, beginning with the Marvel Index. Uh, and whether or not that's something that you really dig and i certainly go up and up and down with how much i love a a given song or given record from nico um all tomorrow's parties is absolutely the most kind of nico-esque of what we get from nico in the velvet underground and there is this alternate dimension where the velvet underground just has nico in it right like the first record is called the velvet underground and and nico but you know you very easily could have seen a future for this band where just Nico becomes the lead singer and that's it and it's a five-piece band and they just that that's the Velvet Underground from that point forward obviously you know based on interpersonal dynamics that's not the direction we end up taking but um you know it 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 could I mean this version this this song I think feels like one of the moments where the band feels um it's a creative apex because it's like it. It really feels like all of them at once. Like it. It you get the sense that J- that John is very much present, and Lou is very much present, and then it's kind of synthesized perfectly by this third party and Nico. And it's not a novelty song, or even based on a kind of novelty song, the way that Femme Fatale is, um, which I think, you know, not that it's a novelty, but that it kind of references like a type of song about and sort of something a little bit more common, like a sort of just the very idea, like a femme fatale. Whereas All Tomorrow's Parties feels like a completely original, like one off sort of legend. It feels sort of um, ancient. In the way that Venus and Furs kind of does, or Wrap Your Troubles in Dreams, there there was this kind of more um, uh, spookier, like less timely thing that pops up, and this is a great example of it. And one of the times where that like is given a lot of juice too. I mean, it like it, the song rocks, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, also just kind of haunting. I remember when we talked about Desert Shore with Natalie, 
like we talked, like someone, I think probably she said like it, there was like this fucking like medieval quality to that record and to a lot of Nico's solo stuff. And you get, you get a little bit of that on all tomorrow's parties, you know, this, this deep, dark, uh, intoning vocal that sounds like it could be delivered from a chorus of monks or some shit. And then John, obviously, I mean, the other signature element in this song besides the vocals from Nico was John on the piano. Um, this again is, is a song that is not quite a rock song on this, this first record from the Velvets, a band that could rock as hard as anyone from day one. Um, and then taking the opportunity, taking the time to highlight the fact that they didn't always want to rock, uh, is part of what is so much of what makes that, that first record what it is. Um, what do you, and then yeah, Venus, Venus and Furs. Duh. I, I'm not going to complain there. I never really, like, when I listen to Venus and Furs, when I listen to the first record, I kind of want to just, like, yes, all right, Venus and Furs, I get it. Yeah, so let, let's, 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 let's get this show on the road. Um, it's amazing, obviously, but it, uh, it, it, it doesn't, like, really kind of satiate me the way that other tracks are going to go. But I'm not going to argue with it here. It, it's got to be there. It's got to be there. Fair enough, it's there. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep delivering a couple uh, relatively hot takes because I want to make sure they get in here. I'm going to, do you have anything to squeeze? No. Friends. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you said that because I wasn't going to do it. But Friends is in there. All Friends right. has got to be in there. Sure. It's the best song from Squeeze. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, honestly, probably better when it's sung by Dean and, and Luna um, cover, <laughs> covering it on their uh, covers record from a couple years ago. But, um, you know, Doug is, like it or not, we've, we've wrestled with this subject. We've been back and forth uh, on this topic from the very beginning of this series. Doug is, Doug is a part of the Velvet Underground. He's more than, of the Velvet Underground than fucking Nico is. Just as much of the Velvet Underground as John is, if you're just going by how many records does he appear on of the four. Um, and then, you know, Squeeze, I think we've come down at this point. We're not going to say this is a, a canonical official Velvet's tune, or a record, rather. But it is. it does say the Velvet Underground on the front, so that, <laughs> that counts for something. Um, and, uh, and if we got to pick one, we got to pick one song from that record, the quote unquote fifth Velvet Underground record, um, Friends is absolutely the best song on there. And I think it's a good song. It's legit a great song. Like it absolutely highlights the strengths of what makes Doug Ewell a good musician, a great musician, um, and, uh, an essential part of the second half of the band's story, even if it even if it isn't as interesting or sexy as obviously the factory days at the very beginning. <laughs> Imagine Doug at the factory and <laughs> Andy Warhol is mean, just like was he ever? fucking like just like whispering the Billy name like who's who's that guy? Is he is, is he like delivering Chinese or something? Uh, he has more business there than either of us, so that's true. Absolutely, you're 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 totally right. <laughs> that's about why that. we put friends on our playlist. It's a beautiful song. The, that sighing kind of uh, uh, cooing vocal from from it's it's good music. Friends. How can I tell her? What can I say? We've been friends for so long. Never knew it could go wrong. When I look at 
some pickles to our sandwich. Uh, we, we've got um, temptations, temptation inside your heart. No, oh, interesting. Okay, I was thinking about temptation inside your heart. I, I don't think I threw that on mine ultimately, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take issue with it. There. What I like uh, when he says uh, those little asides. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's great little uh, uh, easy breezy uh, rock and roll number from the Velvet Underground. Inside of your heart. Yeah, yeah, What else do I have here? Uh, I specifically set aside White Light, White Heat from The Matrix tapes. Uh, uh, live sessions from 1969. Nine and a half minute version of White Light, White Heat. I'm not here to say that this is absolutely the greatest version of White Light, White Heat that the Velvet Underground ever played. I don't fucking know every version of White Light, White Heat that the Velvet Underground ever played. Uh, we don't have tapes of every version of White Light, White Heat that the Velvet Underground ever played. But White Light, White Heat version one from the Matrix tapes 1969 is an absolute interstellar odyssey of hardcore rock music like the 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 strength of this song the speed of this song but then also the length of this song it it's still kind of unprecedented type of shit right like because you think of a nine and a half minute song you think like it's gonna be a jammy thing it's gonna be a grateful dead type of thing we're gonna get a moment we're gonna hit a period of time in in the middle of this song where Jerry is just kind of like walking the dog and it sounds beautiful, right? But it's like kind of just easy, easy does it, guitar harmonics. And what they are doing with White Light, White Heat at this point in time is just like, is is hitting the fucking booster button on your race car, hitting the, the NOS and, and speeding all the way through the racetrack from beginning to end without a moment to catch your fucking breath it's like i don't know how they can sustain this much energy and fury and and ferocity for this length of time like literally like like mo tucker on the drums right is like fucking i don't know how her arms don't fall off at some part in the middle of this song um the way that they could take such a simple and elemental rock song that's perfect from the very beginning you know in in its initial incarnation on on the initial record uh and then just stretch it to its absolute breaking point and yet just keep up the 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 endless fury i don't know it's it's like something that i still feel like other bands from any other time throughout history haven't been able to do I, i i just i don't know i don't know it's a super, it's a superhuman, inhuman kind of thing. It's an athletic, extraordinary. Uh, it's a feat of strength and endurance, and it's like this is the band at the top of their like physical form. Like even like think of Marky Moon, right? Which is almost as long as this. Um, it is insane, but like by the time we get to the guitar solo on Marky Moon, it's like a pretty like they they, they kind of like they they pull them they pace themselves a little bit right and they give themselves a, a chance to like 
uh, catch their breath as they're going to embark on this journey. And this is just like Sterling is shooting lightning bolts all over the room. Mo is blasting off the face of the earth. Lou is boogie. It's like this is this is the hardcore shit. Why uh, do I eat live? Yeah, it's, that's a that's a, a good version of it. <laughs> I think too. Um, hey, right, Mr. Rain. Halfway there. Hey, Mr. Rain. Okay, great. Uh, hey, Mr. Rain. Nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, duh. That's what we talked. I mean, about not duh, but yes, episode. we we did, and uh, refer back to that episode for our discussion on it. But similar reasons. I mean, it's it's like one of the. I mean, well, we. I think we even talked it up as being kind of one of the great, the greatest things ever. <laughs> we said like, this is one of the greatest things ever Absolutely. because it's. Lou and John reconvening and not in a tepid, like, not to call, like, anything that they've done tepid, but, uh, you know, what you don't get on Songs for Drella is that. And that is still there. They could have done that, but they didn't do that. But you do see it for one last time on Hey Mr. Rain in 93. Yeah. 15 minutes. I mean... If you if you tell me that the Velvet Underground are reuniting in 1993, and they are going to play a bunch of live shows, and they're not going to play Sister Ray, if you just tell me all that. I'm going to be like, hmm, kind of lame to be honest. I've waited this long, and these these guys aren't going to fucking play Sister Ray. And after you actually listen to the show, after you see the show, and you hear what they're doing. You don't. You actually don't end up needing it because they do everything that they would have done on Sister Ray within Mr. Rain. Um, did I say Mr. Ray? Sister Ray? Mr. Rain? Hey, Mr. Sister Rain. Rain? Whatever. Hey, Mr. Rain is the, the fucking Sister Ray moment of the 93 reunion. And um, it is so far beyond what they had captured on the initial versions of this song, which appear on you know the Another View compilation, the second one of those compilations from the 80s. Um, this is what the song is always supposed to be. And that, yeah, that, that, that fire and ice, right? Yin and yang, like love you, hate you kind of dynamic that comes across so clearly between John and Lou when you watch them live, John on the viola, Lou on the guitar. That's the story of the whole band right there. Um, if there's one song, I think alone that has to prove the worth of the 93 reunion. It's it's the same, Mr. Rain. What else? Killer. Uh, Jesus. Well, I'll I'll just uh, while we're there, I'll I'll say I'm set free because I feel like those kind of go together. Interesting. All right, I didn't have uh, I'm set free on mine. I didn't have Jesus. All right. Well, fair enough. We see different things in the Vote Underground, 1969. Yeah, but uh, those are both of the two of the great ballads from it. They are absolutely. What I what I love about Jesus in particular is how fucking stupid simple this song is. Um, and that's not to say that I'm Set Free is some sort of like complex, you know, symphony or anything, but like the 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 emotional journey that I at least am taken on listening to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Help me find my proper place. 
because I'm falling out of grace. You know, it's like, it's such a, there's so much loaded into that, I think. And the, the interplay between Lou and Doug here, again, I think, I think Doug is the right choice. Even if, even if it had been a five-piece unit at this point and John had been there, like, I would have wanted to hear these vocals from sweet baby little Doug uh, off of Long Island. You know, it's, it, that innocence is an essential part of this song, this moment in time in this band. Um, one of the most beautiful songs that anyone has ever recorded. Jesus. And I'm Set Free, also. Very good. Yeah, I think that I feel the same way about I'm Set Free. Um, well. What else we got? Um, I have more. I mean, I I've have got a lot more. more. Yeah. I have... I've got. Okay, hang on, hang on. You you just did. I'm set free because I did Jesus. We okay, haven't well, said a single song from fucking Loaded. I know, I know, I know. I, and I know you're not Mister. I Loaded. have. I've got one. You got just one from Loaded. What do you one. got from you? All right, you tell me your Loaded song so I can fill in the rest of my Loaded picks. Who loves the sun? I, that wasn't even one of my picks. God damn it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad that I picked it then. All right, fine. Um. It's the only one that does, there's no other version of that. Like, you know, you could say like, oh, I like rock and roll or I like uh, Sweet Jane. Uh, uh, there's like, you know, versions of that that I, you can pick, you can have your pick, but like there's only one who loves the sun. So Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that. I, I see where you're coming from there. Um, I would absolutely argue that rock and roll and Sweet Jane need to be on this playlist. Um, but I'm gonna, I knew I'm you'd gonna put let, them on there. I I'm going to let, let it sit right now because we've only got, uh, you know, we, we typically don't go above 25. And we're, we're at, uh, what are we at, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So we're coming in on the close. I'm going to deliver my two favorite loaded tracks that don't make an appearance in, you know, every other fucking live record that Lou has ever recorded at this point or from this point on. Uh, Sweet Nothing, oh. and, and I Found a Reason, which are both just two extraordinary kind of tracks. Um, and I would, have, I would have thought, honestly, I Found a Reason at least would have appeared on your, on your list there. Because I remember I when we talked with Dean about Loaded last year, like we all agreed that I Found a Reason was so fucking huge man i just don't listen to it very often that's fine like but like i don't listen to a lot of the velvet underground very often to be honest because it's like it's all so like i I feel like i've kind of uh sucked out as much as there is to get from this material but like anytime you throw it back on anytime you come back to it for me at least it's just like oh yeah this is one of the ones um and I get that with Sweet Nothing and I Found a Reason Both, which are just incredible, generous, big, uh, forward-looking kind of songs. I, I'm Lou, glad that I you think. put them on, on here. Uh, and, you know, uh, I understand, you know, we've been over the loaded thing many times, so we don't need to relitigate it or re-re-re-re-litigate re, it. Re-re-re-re. Yeah. But, um, you know, these songs I think are just... Super strong songs that could have worked in 1967, that work in 1970, that would have worked in 1996 or whatever on on Twilight Reeling. Um, they're eternal. They're beautiful. Do believe God. I'm listening. To it. I found a reason right now. This is some of the prettiest music. I love it.
Six more to go. Okay. The live version of Heroin. Oh, interesting. Okay. 93. Heroin 93. Okay. What is it about Heroin 93? It's epic. It's the the drumming, the, the actual, I mean, the drumming is alone just so expressive and, and powerful and the context of it, it, it really just, it, 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 I think it lives up to an impossible standard hmm. in the moment, like in yeah. front of people on a stage, it actively lives up to a legendary state, like a, a something that is basically like, how do you jump over this bar? How do you clear that? And they just do it. Yeah. So it's like one of those great, greatest live moments of all time. I mean, they don't just do the song. They like, bring the song uh into the room they they the people who went to see that were hoping that they would see something and i don't know if anybody knew how it would be but i'm certain that nobody was disappointed which is a miracle that is totally fair i I had another, I think I had, a, a again, another one of the Matrix cuts of, of heroin on my list initially, and I was thinking about the 93 one. Ultimately, I settled on just the Velvet Underground and Nico version of heroin, which is like, it's it's like saying, you know, that, I, I don't know, fuck it, some, I don't, I, I haven't read the Bible, but some part of the Bible is, you know, better done elsewhere. I, it's... it's or, or it's like saying that, you know, um, the live version of like a Rolling Stone from like 1966 is going to go on a playlist above just like actually the Highway 61 version of like a Rolling Stone. To me, it was. Um, every version of heroin is amazing, you know, uh, and I and I do totally get the 93 version, like the fact that it can work at this well and be this powerful this many years later, I think is a testament to how kind of strong they all were at this moment in time and how dialed in to this situation they were, even in the midst of a very challenging and difficult interpersonal situation between all of them. Um, I mean, heroin is like, this. maybe the song that I've listened to the most of anyone ever, just because you hear it so many different times in so many different fucking contexts. Um, it's, it's elemental. It's, it's, it's the air that we breathe. Any version of heroin is going to be incredible. And yeah, I mean, the 93 one is, is one of the most incredible. You're up. Yes, I am. What do I got? Uh, all right. There's one I want to make sure, make sure to get in there, but I'm gonna leave that till closer to the end. Boy, man, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Okay, I got to get one more just like crazy freak out, fuck you, you know. Eat Coney shit Island Steeplechase. No, it's Coney Island Steeplechase. It's a good song. Uh, what goes on? Um, from, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the Matrix sure, uh, sure. sessions, from 69, which, I mean, this song burns, kicks your ass, kills you on, on the Velvet Underground 93, but it really comes alive in a live setting. And, here I'm gonna shout. I'm gonna shout him out. Our boy Doug on the on the organ when he is just wailing, you know, and he and Sterling are doing this like 
it's not a dueling titans type thing necessarily because you know sterling is sterling and doug is doug but it's there there really is something kind of extraordinary about the way that that the two of them work off one another on the organ on the lead guitar lou is just like fucking jamming away on the rhythm that's i really love the way this band sounds live in 1969 and um I think the way that they can stretch this to, again, kind of like with White Light, White Heat, the absolute breaking point, but not lose any of the the, the fire that re- resides within the initial album cut. It's kicks ass. Uh, I'm going to have to say... We're getting to the point where we're leaving songs off now because we're... <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's my best friend. Okay. Wow. All right. From VU. Interesting. If you want to see me, this version yeah. of it, it's the only one that I care about. I so really like, don't, I, I don't care about the other versions, actually. You like this better than the, the Coney Island Baby version? Yeah, much better. It's no contest. Wow. I, I, this one is like an early Beatles song to me. It's just like has this kind of perfect, snappy quality um, that I, it can't be beat. I will follow you up on this, just kind of in the same thematic register here and pick another song from VU that Lou ends up revisiting on one of his solo records, but I feel like he absolutely nails it on the uh, initial cuts. I can't stand it, which uh, is just sounds so fucking cool. That like echo man, that flat uh, drum sound, but the huge, like, spacey delay kind of thing that you got on the vocals and the guitar. It's this band sounds so fucking cool. Uh, and the tightness and uh, precision that they have at this moment compared to what he turns this song into on, you know, the, the Lou Reed, Lou Reed solo record from 72 is like, no question, no, no competition. Um, I've always kind of dug She's My Best Friend off Coney Island to be honest, though. That's going to be here. You picked it. But I kind of like the way that he, like, glams that up and and blows it out a little bit. makes it a little more melodramatic. Yeah. I like the snappy version. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Okay. Uh, What do you got? This will be uh, one more for you, one more for me. Coyote, live. Okay, good. That was going to be... Okay, perfect. We're we're on the same page there. So, yeah. Coyote has got to be there, right? Which... I think it's very beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. I think it's one of my favorite... I mean, it's on the, one of my... Of course it is. I'm putting it on this. But uh, <laughs> it's... It, 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 it just kind of exists as this... Um, it's, it's an epitaph for the band. It's like... It, it's kind of a postscript that simultaneously feels like a, a um, like the opposite like it it doesn't it feels like this thing could have gone on forever i think that was our kind of take on it when we were talking about the live reunion show that this feels like a song that re- reveals that like that magic that always existed w- was the victim of circumstance it was it was covered up by uh things over various years it was it was locked away it was uh ripped from each other's grasp but, but it didn't ever actually go away and when they made a song again it 
it feels as enigmatic and personal and universal as any of the best of the best material. Yeah, I uh, you know I won't say that Coyote sounds like a Velvet Underground song from 1968 or whatever. Like lyrically speaking, you know, Lou would never have written a song that reads like this off the page back then. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's a little kind of spacey, a little out there. He wrote Ocean. Um, yeah, I mean Ocean never appeared on a record um, or a Velvet's record at least. Uh, but. Uh, it, uh, but uh, but that's not a bad thing, right? I'm not saying that as 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 something to cast aspersions on it. I think musically, it totally fucking sounds like the Velvet Underground. Like this absolutely fits in like a glove to something off of VU, you know, the the outtakes record or um, or White Light White Heat on its gentler sides, and yet at the same time it demonstrates the fact that they were able to go further uh, and that there was more. To, to to do here and to uncover and that you could keep doing the Velvet Underground, what made the Velvet Underground the Velvet Underground and still make it new, make it exciting, make it different than what had happened 25 years earlier. Um, I think it's really significant to me, actually. I, 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 I dig the fact that it doesn't read, it doesn't sound like a Velvet Underground lyric from where it had been in the 1960s, as if Lou had tried to just recapture the magic and just repackage what he had done with these folks, you know, many years earlier, he wasn't, he wasn't going to do that. That's not who he was. He never would have done that. Um, and the fact that it works as well as it does and, and sounds like the Velvets while also at the same time, not at all sounding like the Velvets to me, at least is, is a testament to what could have been, you know, how, how strong they, they all were. And, and this magical tacit bond that still existed between all of them at this moment in time, even after this many years, and then obviously fucking just fell apart almost immediately, but such is life. I, I, I realized there's one that we have left off that I do need to put on here. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, there, was, there was one spot left before we got to 25. I mean, this playlist is not going to be complete without Candy Says. The so. gift. I was going to say the gift. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> sure. It can be 26. It can have, I had the gift on my list, too. Um, but, you know, Candy Says is elemental. That's... Uh, perfect music I don't know what else to say and then yeah The Gift it's fun I love The Gift I feel like that's a pretty good list I think it's a pretty good list you know what's um, not on this list I'm waiting for the man <laughs> oh no it is on my list I it, mean, well, well it's on your list but it's not on this list well it we'll only get gonna, so many only get so many spots that's the whole mean? point no, of this exercise put, well alright then oh, come on we gotta put it on this list see but I actually I was gonna say I like the, I like the fact that it's not on this list because I think that that song in particular ends up being revisited so many times by Lou and by John both later on and honestly kind of taken a little mm. bit further than how it initially appeared as this band, you know, as the Velvets were able to do it. I think that that actually makes, you know, makes some degree of sense. Uh, all of these other songs, I think, were absolutely effortless. And this also explains why Rock and Roll and Sweet Jane aren't on this list. Um, which sure. technically they should be on this list, but like the 84 live in Italy version of rock and roll, right. Or the rock and roll animal version of sweet Jane, uh, like absolutely blow the fucking doors down. Um, that's, what's unique about the, you know, the velvets catalog is the fact that so much of this music reoccurs and reappears so many times down the line, uh, as opposed to our former, uh, area of focus on this program. Um, some stuff was just it it was velvet stuff some stuff 
became Lou stuff. Some stuff became John stuff. I, you know, I'm waiting for my man. I think it's a John song to me. Um, as, as we've kind of talked about, um, but yeah, uh, it's true. Whatever picks end up appearing on your best of the old underground playlist, you're going to be happy folks. It's come on. It's the old underground. Merry Christmas. Coyote goes to the top of the hill Doing the things that coyotes will Looks at the sky, the moon And then he starts to howl Coyote goes to the mountaintop Looks at the river below, says, what a drop. No tame dog is ever gonna take that home. Coyote up on the mountaintop. He says, cast the first stone. Cast the first song